The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Today on the Paracast, we're going to go south of the United States, look at Mexico, and look at something that we call Mexico Unexplained. Our guest is Robert Bitto, whom I notice here is also an MBA, and I'm going to ask him about that. Okay, before we get started with the other stuff on the show. For those of you who follow pop culture, you have probably heard by the time you hear the show that Tina Turner died after a long illness. This will be on Wednesday, May 24th. She is or was 83. So I don't know of anyone from any generation who doesn't know who she was. And those of us who are rock and rollers, by age or profession or interest, will certainly remember who she was. Anyway, Robert, welcome to the Paracast. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to talk to you today. Now, I notice here that you have an MBA in Latin American studies. How do Latin American studies differ from North America, Central America? Is it different cultures, different laws? What? Well, my MBA is... A separate degree. I also have an MA in Latin American studies. So I have two master's degrees. And within my MBA, I have a concentration in business in Latin America. That's to clarify all of that. I know it's a lot of stuff, but um, yeah, so those are two separate degrees. But within my MBA, I have a concentration in Latin American business. And that is just to give you, I guess, that part of the degree gives you the business culture and economics of Latin America, which um, it is different from the United States, definitely. I would think in terms of stability, it's very different because so many of these countries are not stable. Yeah, that's correct. The way of doing business culturally is a lot different, and it depends on whichever country you're in. So I assume you have to know your Spanish and your Portuguese. Correct. I had to be fluent and conversant in both of those languages. So I was fluent in Spanish and conversant in Portuguese. And when I got out of school, I was hired by a major American company to go to their headquarters in Brazil. And so I was hired primarily for the Portuguese combined with my business degrees and experience. And they also sent me to Mexico City um, as well and to their 
corporate headquarters. So I had some experience in both places within business. But before that, while I was a student, I studied in Mexico. So that was my primary place to learn international business. Before we look at the paranormal encounters in Mexico, I want to ask about this book very quickly. What my MBA didn't teach me, 205 lessons from corporate America. Obviously, this is not a business show, so I'm not going to ask you the all 205. But it sounds to me like a lot of what you earn after you get the piece of paper is an on-the-job situation, right? That is correct. And it's funny because I've done many, many interviews about paranormal topics, about Mexico and stuff. You're the first person to ask me about that book because I've written two other books that are about Mexico. And I also have a coloring book that's a companion to one of those books. But you're the first person to ask me about that MBA book. And it's a humorous take on corporate America life, you know, life in the office. It's kind of Dilbert-esque. And I started writing it in 1998, and I put it you know, aside until a year and a half ago when someone who had gone through the same MBA program I did found an unfinished manuscript that I had sent her 23 years ago. And she said, did you ever publish this? And I said, no. And I started reading it. I found an old disc, and I started reading what I had started. And I said, I better finish this book. And so I finished it and published it a few months ago, actually. Let me ask you one question here then. Was the singular thing that you don't learn in school that you learn as soon as you get on the job? The most important thing, if there is one. Nobody cares about your education. <laughs> no one cares that you have an MBA. Who cares? Yeah, that's it. Did it help you at all, the MBA, or was it just a piece of paper and a, a, an educational loan you had to pay off? Well, fortunately, I didn't have any loans, but it was a piece of paper. And what got me hired with that big multinational company was my language ability, really. So the MBA was a nice little chaser to go along with that. But, I mean... I've owned my own company now. I own an imports business where I import arts and crafts from Latin America. And I've owned that business since 1999. And I can say from my MBA, what I use from that is probably accounting. And that's about it. Everything else, all those curves, those economics curves and, and all that other theoretical stuff. Ugh. I don't use it at all. I think I use maybe 10% of my degree. And I think doing business internationally, the most important knowledge you can have is cultural knowledge of whatever country you're doing business in. That's the most important thing. Now, import and export, do you get involved in ancient artifacts at all? That's illegal. Um, no, I've had many requests, and you know it would be very easy for me to smuggle that stuff in. But I don't do that. I don't mess with that. Because if you do, if you get caught, ooh, the penalties are pretty bad. 
So I, I'm not messing with that. I've I've imported many many replicas of some of these ancient artifacts, and that's why I say it could be very easy to smuggle this stuff into the country because you can just put it in. You can put the the authentic pieces in with the knockoff modern reproductions, and people inspecting if they decide to open the crates, which most of the time they don't, people inspecting won't even know the difference. Well, it reminds me of the fact that an old friend of mine and somebody who was very well known in the UFO field, Jim Mosley, spent a number of years in Peru. And let's face it, he got ancient artifacts and he had to pull a few, shall we say, less than savory stunts to get those things to America. That was his admission, by the way. Oh. Now, that was back in the 60s, wasn't it, though? 50s and 60s. This is when he was putting out Saucer News. So he would go on these mysterious excursions. I'll be back in a few weeks. And people thought, what's he doing? Where's he going? Is he a secret agent going back to his bosses to prepare strategy to destroy or provide disinformation in the UFO field. I mean, this is what they were saying. And no, he was going down to Peru for a month or two at the time. I think he was arrested once. And this is the story before we do our break and get on to the unexplained happenings in Mexico. And that is that he had to pay off whom I believe to be the son of a major government leader in Peru to get himself freed of jail and to go back home. And that's when he gave up this life of whatever we call it, smuggling. That's what we call it. So he ceased being a smuggler after that. Jim Mosley, look him up, Robert. He has a fascinating story in connection with our feel here. In any case, Robert Bitto has over 30 years of experience in Mexico, has a site called Mexico unexplained.com and that's what we're going to explore with Gene and Robert and Tim you're in the Paracast hey listeners I want you to have the entire Paracast experience so I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. 
These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com TeamG'day.com Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Robert Bitto, who you have a site called MexicoUnexplained.com, which is before my eyes now. How did you get interested in the paranormal? Well, you know what? I was always interested in it. I'm sure you've heard this from many, many people. Ever since I was a little kid, I watched In Search Of. I was into the pulp books that you could find for 50 cents, Chariots of the Gods, all that stuff. Okay, so fast forward to my adulthood. So... I started a business in 1999, an import-export business, as we talked about. I was going down to Mexico quite frequently, and I still do. And I was going to some really remote areas, 
and hearing different things that I never heard of in the United States. And then I began to realize that there was a whole bunch of literature and then oral traditions and other media that is in Spanish and never makes it out of Mexico or sometimes even out of the regions of Mexico to other parts of the country down there. I thought, wow, this would be interesting to share with the world. Yeah, I was on a plane going from Guadalajara to Phoenix, and I was settling into my seat with a magazine called Muy Interesante, which means very interesting. And it's a paranormal pseudoscience type magazine that's published in Spanish. And I was looking through it. And there was an article about crop circles in Mexico, and I had never seen these crop circles before, and I had never seen this commentary by Mexican scientists. And I thought, wow, this is something that we don't see in the United States. That's basically where I got the idea. And then a few years later, I started MexicoUnexplained.com. It's a podcast. It's a YouTube channel, and I have two books and a companion coloring book to one of those books out. And a third book in the series is coming out in the next few months. So that's basically the story of my paranormal journey in Mexico. How do you research these reports? Well, some of them are on the ground. I talk to people. I may be in a village or something, and then I ask about stories, and then people tell me, then sometimes I go to places where I'm directed. Sometimes, well, a big source of information is that's not even on the internet are the pulp magazines, UFO magazines in the 70s and 80s from Mexico. People in the United States don't realize that it was huge down there in that time period. These magazines that talked about abductions and sightings and crashes and and visitations and all of this other stuff. So when I can get my hands on those old magazines, that's like gold. And then there's the Spanish language internet as well. And a lot of the, the stories that are in Spanish are not in English. So I investigate that way too and then put it all out on the internet in English. Now, one thing I see here, which is unfortunate, is that sightings from Central and South America don't get the proper coverage in the U.S., and I don't know whether it's any kind of prejudice or something like that. It is unfortunate, but that's the case. Like, for example, the Virginia, Brazil case <laughs> from 1996. don't know if you're familiar with it. It's the subject of a film from our friend James Fox called Moment of Contact. And it tells of the crash of a UFO, the observation of possible extraterrestrial beings, kind of shiny gray beings. And it's a really interesting story with fairly good documentation because most of the witnesses are still alive and could still talk about it, that sort of thing. In the course of your studies of Unexplained Mexico, Robert, did you encounter anything related to UFOs? Yeah, there's, there's so much to talk about with that. The first documented crash was in December of 1949. And people 
don't even know about that. And then in 1974, there was a, a mid-air crash, alleged, we all have to say that, right, um, between a, a UFO and a small plane. And, I mean, we can go on and on and on. There are many documented cases of crashes, of saucer sightings, of extraterrestrial sightings. And, um, yeah, we can, you know, take your pick and we can talk about things. I wanted to go into, in a couple of minutes, the report that you have on your site about giants, probably because we did an episode last week where we had an expert on giants focusing mostly in the U.S., of course, in Pennsylvania, as a matter of fact, where there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. That, listeners, was Travis Roy, by the way, last week's episode of the Paracast. I'm going to want to get into these stories, but first of all, something's published in a magazine 45, 50 years ago. Are you able to make any effort at all to try to verify those stories? It's very hard because I'm not down there, you know. So I try as hard as I can. Let's say if I get a pulp magazine from 1978 or something, and then I read about, you know, a, a certain abduction or what have you, and then, you know, it names names. I try to search the internet for those names to see if maybe some blogger from three years ago or whatever followed up on the story. And sometimes I have success with that. But boots on the ground, it's very difficult for me to do that sort of research. The only thing that I can do is, you know, go and try to follow up with names and places that I see from those original articles and a lot of times it's just dead ends what about the mexican government do they take any of this seriously well you know what some say that they were the very first government to take this seriously because in night in the year 2004 i did a show called well, a few years ago i did a show called the mexican air force versus the flying saucers and in 2004 the Mexican Air Force was flying off the coast of Veracruz and Tabasco states on, in the Gulf of Mexico, and they encountered um, several objects that flittered around their radar, their infrared, and um, that got the attention of the national government, and the national government, this was 2004, said, let's try to get the help of the civilian sector. So they contacted uh, the premier UFO researcher in Mexico called Jaime Maussan. We have Robert Biddo. We're talking about UFO encounters right now in the government of Mexico. We've got more to come with Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks. We just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempt to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800-900-8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. USA News Update. Congressional Republicans and the White House have reached an agreement in principle to raise the debt ceiling. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy called it a landmark deal. I believe this is an agreement in principle that's worthy of the American people. It has historic reductions in spending. McCarthy said there was still a lot of work to do, but he expects the House to vote on the measure Wednesday. Vice President Kamala Harris has made history by delivering the commencement address at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, the first time a woman has done so. The Texas House has decided to impeach Attorney General Ken Paxton. He's now suspended from office pending a Senate trial. There is going to be a Game 7 in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals after the Boston Celtics won a thriller against the Heat in Miami Saturday. This is Karen Sloan, USA News. My name is Don Wiskin, and at 42 years old, I suffered a massive heart attack, lost 35% of my heart to damaged tissue, and was supposed to spend the rest of my life on disability. What did I do? I took Extendivite, a garlic and cayenne mix of seven herbs which rebuilt my heart and gave me back my life. For over 17 years now, I have made this formula available to you so you don't have to suffer the same thing I did. Clean your blocked arteries and strengthen your heart and boost your natural immune system. I'm 60 years old now, and I still work every day. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Extend your life with Extendivite. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 
and have a great time getting there. Hi, this is James Fox, director of The Phenomenon and Moment of Contact. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, as a quick reality check, Jaime Musan is a very controversial character. And he's been known to accept stories that aren't well documented. And I can consider one, which is the alleged Roswell slides. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just to put that cautionary note. But it doesn't mean if he is gullible that he isn't exploring cases that are authentic. But let's go on. Okay, so... They called him in because they saw him as the premier researcher of UFOs in Mexico. He gathered together his experts and analyzed the radar uh, footage and the cockpit voice recording and interviewed the pilots and did all of this stuff. That was probably the first time ever in history where there was public and private collaboration with the UFO phenomenon. And they made everything all public, and their final report was inconclusive. So some people say that could have been part of the cover-up, saying, look, we're doing this all above board and official, and we're involving private entities, and then the conclusions were no conclusions. Some people think that that was part of the cover-up. And then there were American debunkers There was a a show on the National Geographic channel that took this, and their conclusion was that what the pilots saw were fires on oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico, which to me, I normally don't give my opinions on a lot of the stuff I investigate, but to me it's preposterous because these objects were moving around, they were going fast. The pilots didn't even see them out the windows of their craft. They just appeared on the radar in their infrared sensors. The debunkers have been debunked in this case, I think. They were picked up on radar, but there was no simultaneous visual confirmation? Correct. Okay. You know, of course, that in 2004, U.S. Navy pilots encountered what is called the Tic Tac UFOs. In those cases, it was visual and radar. Now, the other question I'll ask you, obviously, if you have a report of something strange seen only by radar, seen electronically, but not physically, not visually, a possibility of some kind of natural phenomenon or a malfunction of the radar? It could be, or, you know, you can go all Star Trek and say a cloaking of the craft. There were multiple sources reporting these objects moving. It wasn't just like one piece of equipment that was malfunctioning. It's still a big mystery. I should add to this is that they actually, they were seen visually, except that they were seen using the uh, infrared cameras on board. And there's actually um, video of these objects. I mean, if you uh, search around, you'll be able to find them. But uh, yeah, they, they were seen on radar. They were seen visually, but the pilots 
And uh, the others on board, these uh, they were actually uh, looking for uh, uh, drug smugglers. Right. But the uh, pilots could not see these uh, things with the naked eyes, but it was obvious that there was something out there. Right. Just think, E.T. becomes a drug runner. So you want to get the best substance, which we won't mention here, you go to a little gray alien. Hey, can I have a couple of joints? <laughs> What's the favorite brandy on um, Star Trek? I can't, I can't remember. There was a brandy that was from, it was a Romulan brandy. Maybe that's what it was called, Romulan brandy. There's a Romulan something that's mentioned in Star Trek II Wrath of Khan in the scene with Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy where Captain Kirk gets the reading glasses because he has an allergy to the eye drops that fix your vision. Yeah, that's the one. But I think it had to be it had to be smuggled. Right, and it was either Romulan ale or Romulan brandy. I think it was Romulan ale. <laughs> that sounds right, Romulan ale. I think mm. I remember that. <laughs> I think Star Trek II was one of Shatner's best performances as Captain Kirk because they basically got him to do his thing but not overwhelm it with his ego. But why are we talking about this? Okay, continuing about the <laughs> UFOs in Mexico, which is more important for now. You mentioned earlier about a crash in 1949 in Mexico. Let's look at that for a few moments because we've talked about crashes so much on the Paracast, but other than Virginia, Brazil, it's mostly about Roswell. Sometimes we mention Aztec, New Mexico, which has very little factual support. So Mexico, 1949, UFO crash. Robert, tell us about it. December 1949, outside of Mexico City, this was first reported by an American businessman doing business in Mexico City. And supposedly someone had given him part of the wreckage of the craft, something like a five-foot-long or six-foot-long aluminum beam. Well, he thought it was aluminum, but it was some strange metal. There were two other businessmen who were involved with this. One was, I think they were both from South America, but it made the news they had supposedly visited the crash site and locals had said there, there were bodies and everything and the U.S. military was involved, but then they denied all of it. And right after this happened, it was picked up by several newspapers in the United States and the government, the U.S. government came out with an official statement and said, you know, we know nothing about this. We collaborate with the Mexican military all the time. They didn't tell us anything about this. Stop talking about it. That's it. It's done. There's not a whole lot of evidence, actually, for this case. There's a lot of repeating of this, and, you know, someone knew this, and they talked talk to, you know, my brother-in-law saw this, and whatever. You know, that sort of hearsay evidence. The physical stuff is nowhere to be seen. And, um, yeah, so it could be a nothing case or it could be something pretty significant, but we don't know. It makes me think of the uh, alleged UFO crash that happened in the uh, 
in uh, the uh, area called the uh, Zone of Silence, uh, where uh, the UFO was allegedly tracked by radar from the United States and may have actually collided with a, uh, a private plane at some point and then crashed in the desert. Are you familiar with that case? Yes, it's um, the flying saucer crash at Koyami. That's it. And um, that there were many witnesses to that, and the U.S. government supposedly came in, and the Mexican military was on the scene first. And when the Americans got there, allegedly, everyone was dead. There were like a few dozen people of the Mexican military who were dead. And no one knows how they died, if it was radiation, if they were killed by extraterrestrials or what have you. And it was all covered up. And supposedly the wreckage was either taken to Fort Bliss. There are three, three stories here. It was either taken to Fort Bliss in El Paso, which they recently renamed. They don't call it that anymore. Or to Wright-Patterson in Ohio, famous UFO depository, I think. We've heard uh, Wright-Patterson come up a lot, I think. And the third story was that the, the wreckage was taken to Georgia and was investigated by the CDC. Like, perhaps some biological agent had caused the deaths of the Mexicans. We're going to ask about that and more with Robert, Gene, and Tim. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions silverlungs.com you'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions the silver lungs generator allows you to make your own so stop paying for silver solutions the unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach see the silver lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com that's silverlungs.com 
frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. You know, Robert, when you mention the possibility of an alien pathogen, I think of the story War of the Worlds, where these aliens come to Earth. And of course, we have the novel from H.G. Wells, and we have the various movies. Mm-hmm. I think it was Gene Barry was in the original movie, and then the newer movie was Tom Cruise. Anyway... So what happens here is the aliens succumb to our cold virus and thus die. Of course, I start thinking then, how stupid can advanced aliens be that they don't take precautions over local microbes? But then they killed a lot of people, these stupid aliens. Anyway, let's get back to the story, Robert. Yeah, so there was a very good book done about this flying saucer crash. One of the authors was named Ruben Uriarte, and they did a lot of investigating into this. There were many, many witnesses to this crash, and it's one of the most well-documented of all the saucer crashes in Mexico. So it's a very interesting story. Nobody 
really knows exactly what happened. It's It really is a shame, though, that there's been all kinds of, of interesting UFO events uh, in Mexico, but so few actually, you know, information actually makes it uh, to the United States. Uh, and I think of the... What was it? Was it the 1992 solar eclipse that uh, people in Mexico City uh, uh, saw the UFO uh, hovering over uh, hovering over the city? And then it just seemed like the floodgates were open for many years with just all kinds of of, of UFO sightings and events, and uh, and again, just very little. Uh, a decent information managed to make it across the border. That's why I'm here. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's why Mexico Unexplained exists. And to your 1992 episode that you talked about, that still remains one of the most witnessed UF, UFO event in human history because it happened over Mexico City. And Population estimates of Mexico City run up to 25 million people. So you had 50 million eyes potentially looking up at the sky, seeing those UFOs or that UFO, depending on where you were. There were some sightings of multiple ones or one, but there was definitely something going on in the skies during that eclipse. And yeah, tens of millions of people saw that. Well, and as well, there were a lot of uh, photographs and uh, videos taken of that craft. I think it was uh, at, from all kinds of different angles, from you know just various locations of the city, outside of the city. But here in the United States, naturally, people are like, oh, well, it was Venus. People were just seeing Venus. <laughs> you know, it's just like... Ugh. This this attitude that people are too dumb to realize that they're seeing something unusual. Yeah, and now with people having cell phones, these major population centers in Mexico, there are always sightings. And there was even a famous sighting, perhaps you've talked about this in other shows, about UFOs being connected with volcanoes. Well, there's an active volcano right outside of Mexico City called Popocatépetl. They call it Popo for short. And they have a webcam that's constantly on this mountain, and it erupts every once in a while. When I was down there working for that American company in 1995, it was puffing smoke a little bit, right? But recently, sometime within the past 10 years, there was a Mexican morning show that was talking, you know, during their weather segment, they cut to the volcano and it was, you know, puffing smoke and they were talking about how that would affect the atmosphere and the climate and every the weather that day. And while they were talking about it, this metallic disc appeared as if it exited the volcano. And over their morning coffee and their huevos revueltos, their breakfast, Millions of Mexicans witnessed this on live TV. Yeah, we had a um, a film director, uh, Darcy Weir was his name, 
and uh, uh, he wasn't talking about this particular film, but he had directed a film uh, that uh, that was the uh, the the center point was uh, of volcanoes and UFOs, and used a lot of footage uh, taken from there in Mexico. And I think that uh, Popo is actually uh, er erupting right now. Uh, I remember seeing just earlier this week uh, ash warnings in the area. So, wow. yeah, maybe uh, maybe those cameras will uh, uh, get some new footage. Yeah, that'd be cool. There's a site called Webcams de Mexico, and you can go on there, and there are webcams 24-7 aimed at that volcano, and then other places, too, throughout Mexico. So that's a good place to go to for people who are curious about that. In your research on UFOs, and, and, and I promise you we won't... Uh, uh, concentrate totally on UFOs through <laughs> through this show, but you know, uh, in your research, did you run across uh, um, one particular story that you were like, "Oh my gosh, this is fantastic!" And then actually was able to uh, uh, dig up some uh, uh, new information on it. Well, there's one really interesting story that kind of haunts me. It's it's um, something that it's, I don't know how else to describe it, but it was a sighting that involved four little kids in a small town called Miyoki in the state of Chihuahua. And in 1987, they started to see in their neighborhood when they were out playing, they started to see what they called monitos, little monkeys. And they were accompanied by bright orb-like lights. And they were talking to them and interacting with them. And they were classic greys, basically. But they had three fingers and three toes. But they, they didn't know how to describe them, so they called them monkeys, monitos. And the, the sightings happened over the course of a few weeks to a few months and people in the town were divided on believing it or not old timers in the town said oh yeah these beings have been here before we've seen them before in the mountains in the caves this is nothing new and the the town didn't know what to do you know should we tell people about this should we keep it quiet will people think we're crazy but it did get out into the press the ufo pulp press down in mexico and the town was inundated with people who were curious and with investigators and um the kids grew up and then they stopped giving interviews they were tired of people coming there and one of the kids was found dead in a neighboring city as an adult in the town of the city of delicias and he was found with these mysterious cut marks all over his body like surgical incisions but none of his organs were removed and the autopsy showed that there was something strange in his blood and i don't know what to think about this when those aliens or those entities or whatever, when they left the kids for the last time, they said that they would be back many years into the future. And 
So this this whole story, you know, I don't know what to think about it. And I was actually thinking about that this morning. But um, yeah, that's a that's that stands out. You mentioned something strange discovered in the autopsy. What? Mm-hmm. There was something in the blood that shouldn't have been there and there was it wasn't very clear as to what what they found in the blood but um there were no organs that that were removed although the incisions throughout the body looked as if they were made by a surgeon going in to remove organs so that was really strange and that's all official well, it sounds to me also as a possible normal explanation, as normal as something like that could be, is that this person was being mutilated for some reason, maybe to gather the organs, because there is that sort of thing that goes on sometimes mm-hmm. from some pretty nasty people. We've got a lot more to talk about with Robert Bido and Gene Steinberg and Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Welcome back to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Before we go on, Robert, I don't want to get into that kind of thing, organ harvesting. It's just, from what you say, it raises a possibility. Just what I suggested, organ harvesting might have been a 
possible answer for all the strange things seen out of that body. I just wanted your reaction. Well, you know, there weren't any organs missing. So that was part of the strangeness to that. So, yeah, it's a big mystery. It certainly sounds different than a lot of things here involving UFOs. Before we go on to other subjects such as giants and something related to a Batman, or as the guy says in the movie, I'm Batman. No, I'm going to mention that. He actually does in the new movie, The Flash. Michael Keaton says that. And there's nobody who ever played Batman who says that that way, which is the best way. Let's just get on to these cases. Now, you have a lot of cases here 50, 60 years ago. I assume sightings in Mexico are continuing to the present day. Any more recent sightings? Yeah, um, there was one earlier this year in Ciudad Juarez on the border with El Paso. And it was a classic 1950s movies flying saucer that appeared over a soccer stadium. And there was footage on that. So you can, you know, go to the Internet and plug in Ciudad Juarez and flying saucer 2023 and you'll get all of these images pop up. So, yeah, they're still happening. Mass sightings. Is there any place that somebody in Mexico now, today, can report a sighting? Is it the government or what? No, you'd have to go to um, private websites and and there are groups throughout Mexico, like MUFON-type groups, but there's there's nothing national that you can do. So, yeah, the reporting isn't isn't well done down in Mexico. So a lot of these sightings and experiences tend to fall through the cracks. Is there an official posture now from the Mexican government about this? No, there is none. How about one more sighting? Okay, well, one more sighting. There's so many to pick from. There was um, a sighting at an Air Force base in 1971, I believe, and the person involved was a teenage girl named Dolores Martinez, and she was taken aboard a craft. She went willingly. Um, she opened up a window at two in the morning or so, early morning like that, and then uh, heard a voice in her head to go outside. She went outside, and she was greeted by a bearded a man with a white beard, and there was a a long metallic craft that was hovering right outside this Air Force base. And so she walked, and he asked her, this bearded man, if she wanted to go on board. And she said yes. So she went on board the craft and didn't feel like it was moving, but supposedly got transported either to a planet or another dimension. And the people who were staffing this UFO, this object, according to her, looked very Caucasian, which led some people to believe that this was some either, either it was either a U.S. or an Eastern Bloc, a Soviet 
uh, experiment of some of some kind that went between dimensions or or traveled to uh, different places with a, a hidden tech or a, an undercover technology. Uh, so that sighting and that experience left a lot of questions too. And that woman, as she got older, that teenage girl, she did a lot of interviews about all of this. So she wasn't hiding from the press or anything. But that was really interesting because she got to see this supposed planet where these people came from. and But she felt like she wasn't even moving in the craft. And she gives detailed, detailed accounts of this world that they went to. But she said in a couple of interviews that she suspected that maybe they didn't go to a planet, but they went underground somehow into the earth so that was very interesting sounds to me like somebody might have hypnotized her and made her believe she was taken on this trip just a possibility yeah that's plausible what about injuries received in connection with ufos you mentioned the dead person of course but there's no evidence i guess that there was anything untoward there other than possible suspicious aspects, but certainly not paranormal. Are there reports of people becoming injured in proximity to UFOs there? Not that I know of. Um, there, there have been a few incidences of radiation poisoning or claims of that, but people being operated on or, or things of that nature, I haven't heard very many stories involving bodily harm. Up to you, Tim. The story that you had told earlier about the little kids and the, uh, the, the little monkeys, it, uh, it always makes me think, especially when uh, you said that uh, older people in the village said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're, we're familiar with these things. They've been around a long time. All the different stories that come out of Mexico and Central America uh, of the, like, one of a better name for them, you know, little people, what we would call uh, 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 fairies, you know, up up in the United States. But uh, uh, these stories are very similar to uh, the uh, uh, alien, you know, and, and I put quotation marks <laughs> around that word, the alien sightings of, of recent days. Uh, but... Uh, uh, Mexico has a rich tradition of these uh, little guys that come from the mountains or the forest. Yes. In fact, it goes back thousands of years. And there are two types of small beings that are in Mexican history that goes, you know, goes to the ancient cultures. Alushes, a, spelled A-L-U-X, Alush. And also Chaneques. Chaneques are the Aztec version, and Alush is the Maya version. And a few months ago, the president of Mexico supposedly saw an Alush 
in the forest when he was in the Yucatan. So there's a high-profile person who believes in this stuff and has experienced one of these little creatures. So, yeah, it's pretty pervasive throughout the country, the sightings of these little beings. Well, he even provided a photograph. Right, yeah. Of of this thing is something that looked like it was a, a setting up in a tree with the uh, the ubiquitous glowing eyes. Yeah, uh huh. And people, some people ridiculed him, but I would say the majority of Mexicans would have said something like, "Oh, well, yeah. So what? Yeah, sure, they exist. Yeah, we know. Big deal." It sounds like they take it in stride. Hey, we're going to have a lot more to talk about, not just UFOs, but other strange things going on in Mexico. The site that Robert Bitho runs is Mexico Unexplained, which is MexicoUnexplained.com. And you can see loads of articles there about different things. We're going to ask his viewpoint in a moment with Gene and Robert and Tim. You're in the podcast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200 plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamgaday.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. teamgaday.com. teamgaday.com. 
If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Certainly, that's just whetting our appetite about UFOs. In Mexico, Robert, what do you think about all this? Do you have an opinion as to what's causing it? Well, there are so many different sightings, different types of things going on. It's really hard to sort it out and sift through everything. It could be multiple things going on. It's really hard to tell. It's hard to pin down what what is really happening. If it's something very ancient, if it's something modern, if it's a bunch of hoaxes, if it's government-backed. A lot of Mexicans are suspicious about ufos and sightings of extraterrestrials and many people down there blame the united states they think it's nasa or the cia doing things so yeah it's hard to really put your arms around all of this and i don't have very many conclusions i do a lot of research and i present the information but I don't know. I mean, it's very hard to figure out what's going on, and that's okay. It's okay to live in the mystery, I think, of not knowing. A lot of people, they want to nail down a reason what's going on, if they're real biological entities, what are they here for, and all of that stuff. I don't know. There's too much going on to for me to understand everything so i just say okay you know i'll let it be mysterious for now at least i gather then that you take it in a stride too what would you do for example if you encountered a ufo have you ever seen one i thought i saw one when i was a little boy but i was too young to really understand i think what i was seeing and that i was like five or six years old but if i saw something I think 
to use your phrase, I would take it in stride, I guess. Well, I had the opportunity when I was down on a buying trip, I guess it was like 15 years ago. I was in a town and they said, oh, there was a flying saucer crash in a cornfield, or not a crash, a landing. And there was burnt corn stalks in like a landing area. And the way I go through the rural areas of Mexico buying my merchandise, I usually hire drivers. And so I said to the driver, let's go to the crash or the landing site. And the driver would, didn't want to go because he was afraid of the radiation. He thought he would be poisoned by the radiation. So I was like, oh, darn, you know, I missed the opportunity. But yeah, so and the land that the landing was supposedly on, the guy was charging 20 pesos admission to go and see the burned landing area. I thought that was funny. Well, it sounds to me very suspicious. It's also interesting, the driver immediately fears radiation poisoning. Now, maybe he saw too many sci-fi films. Radiation yeah, poisoning, because obviously there have been instances where that could be a possible answer. And we're thinking, speaking of Cash Landrum in 1980, Rendlesham Forest 1980, where it's possible that the injuries suffered by witnesses who got real close may have been radiation or EM related. So just bringing that about. That means you should watch yourself. If ET comes a calling, you should go away. <laughs> the suspicion of NASA being involved in a lot of these cases is something that I've, I've heard a lot uh, coming out of Mexico and, and South America as as well, that uh, the uh, witnesses of, of, of certain cases report that local government and then accompanied by people who have identified themselves as, as coming from NASA, you know, come in and take whatever evidence, warn the people not to talk. And as far as we know here in the United States, NASA has never been involved in UFO investigations, uh, albeit up until recently, but this is a common theme coming out of uh, of these places through the years. Yeah, there's, it's either NASA or the CIA that people believe, you know, are investigating these things. In fact, in that, uh, the area called the Zone of Silence, I think we talked briefly about that. We mentioned it. Mm -hmm. about the, the Zona de Silencio, where it's a place that's like the Bermuda Triangle in the desert of Mexico. It's a biosphere reserve. And when they were building, they were building a water tank and some outbuildings to support the staff of that biosphere, people were claiming that that water tower was a secret NASA observatory and people in the area had seen gringo, strange gringos. You know, the gringos always show up, and then that's suspicious. And white vans, and they were not Mexicans who were involved with the setting up of these buildings and then that suspicious water tower. So who knows? There may be some truth to this. I don't know. Yeah, it's... Uh, um, and, and, and again... You wouldn't think that 
an organization such as NASA would just come right out and identify themselves uh, as as being NASA. So you know, uh, again, it just it makes me think that there are organizations involved that will present themselves as something else. Because, well, like I said, especially in you know Mexico and South America, that's what they would expect. They would expect NASA or the CIA to come down to do all this clandestine stuff, and uh, so it's it's uh, it's it's interesting. And I think that uh, uh, Gene, you know, and you'll have to remind me if this. If I remember this correctly, the uh, Brazilian case uh, with the uh, with the little alien that uh, uh, James Fox did the film on, that allegedly it was NASA who came down to uh, help take the bodies away. That is correct. That was a very important right. point of the story. Right, right. So, and and you you hear these kind of reports, you know, all the time that somehow NASA uh, was involved. Well, maybe you think here the Mexican authorities and the Brazilian authorities have a little bat phone, a little red bat phone or <laughs> bat cell phone, and if something happens, they dial it up and say, yes, commissioner, no, that's the wrong show. But you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> well, and uh, uh, I, I know, Gene, that uh, you're wanting to uh, talk about this, considering that uh, last week we had on uh, uh, Travis Roy, who was talking about uh, uh, giants, uh, ancient giants in the United States. Well, what about in uh, uh, Mexico? Is there uh, any stories uh, from, uh, from Mexico about giants? Before sure. we get into that, then there's an article that Robert has on the subject. We should mention again that Travis Roy was our guest last week talking about giants. A lot of listeners were dug that one, and we want to find out about giants in Mexico. And we have Mexico Unexplained's webmaster and chief cook and bottle washer, I guess, Robert Biddo. With Gene and Tim, you're in The Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA News Update. Three people dead, at least five injured following a shooting at a motorcycle rally in New Mexico. The Coast Guard calling off the search for a Louisiana teenager who went overboard during a graduation boating trip in the Bahamas. There's been an agreement in raising the debt ceiling. 
It took weeks, but House Speaker Kevin McCarthy made the announcement Saturday night. We have come to an agreement in principle. We still have a lot of work to do, but I believe this is an agreement in principle that's worthy of the American people. Part of the work remaining includes McCarthy writing out the bill's language. He said what's ahead are, quote, historic reductions in spending without any new taxes or government programs. President Biden said the compromise doesn't make everyone happy, but that's the, quote, responsibility of governing. ABC News reports that it's a two-year budget deal that would separately raise the debt limit for two years. Corey Myers, USA News. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk... They hear you. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Robert, let me preface this. There's an article in front of my eyes right now entitled Mexican Giants, and I'll ask the question that you pose. Are giants in Mexico the stuff of myth, or did they really exist? Robert, what do you think? Well, once again, we have a big mystery on our hands, and The first reports of giants, if you were to just forget about all the mythology, because there's a lot of mythology and ancient history involving giants. Giants built some of the pyramids, some of the ancient ruins. They moved some of these massive blocks to construct these old cities. Teotihuacan, for example, the major ruined city site that dominated the region just outside the Valley of Mexico 2,000 years ago. 
some people believe that that city was built by giants. The pyramids were built by giants. That was a big Aztec legend at the time of the Spanish arriving. But when the Spanish first got to Mexico and started farming, they started digging up big bones. And in the 1550s, I believe, there was a hacienda owner who kept on finding large bones and shipped them to the king of Spain himself because he was so intrigued and everyone was convinced that a race of giants had lived in Mexico. Now, much like the United States with the Smithsonian, and we've heard the stories about the Smithsonian taking giant bones and dumping them into the Atlantic and covering up and, you know, that whole thing. The Mexicans have a similar organization called the National Institute of Anthropology and History. And they have a great museum in Mexico City, right in the heart of the city. But they have offices in every state in Mexico and multiple offices in some states where whenever there's a suspicious, strange discovery, they're right there. And they've shut down the excavation or, you know, cordoned it off or whatever. So they have their counterpart to the Smithsonian in that regard. A lot of people think that the National Institute of Anthropology and History is keeping the whole giants thing quiet. So there's that. We have some ancient stories of giants. We have some bones that no one knows where they are now, but stories of discoveries of bones. Yeah, so it's very similar to the United States in that regard. Isn't that funny, though, how you have these very similar stories of, of giant bones being discovered, sent off someplace, never to be seen again? <laughs> yeah, you kind of wonder why that is. Okay, let's say if giants were real, you know, hypothetically, of course, mm -hmm. if they were real, why keep it quiet? What's the reason for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's what the questions were being asked about the uh, North American giants, you know, because there was the theory that somehow it is a racist attitude that the Native Americans were not capable of doing anything more than uh, hunting and gathering, and that uh, the mounds and other ancient structures had to have been built by someone else. So then when giant bones were discovered, that kind of almost reinforced that attitude, so let's make them disappear. Now, I don't know if that, you know, if, if that's something that would extend down, you know, into uh, uh, Mexico and Central America as well. Yeah, but what I've always wondered about giant bones is, like, let's go north of the border to the United States. I'd say that most of the building in this country has happened within the past 50 or 60 years. Why aren't we finding giant bones now? Or are we? I don't know. And the same could be said for Mexico. The reports of these bones being discovered, like a lot of them, happened in the 15 and 1600s. And the royal family of Spain was very interested in this for some reason. I have no idea why. 
Well, there's even been a very recent uh, video that came out of Mexico. I think it. Uh, I remember seeing it over the winter, and it may have been you know taken earlier than that of somebody who allegedly uh, videotaped what appeared to be a very large person on the top of this mountain. Have you seen well, Have you seen that one? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I might have seen that in connection to Bigfoot research because Mexico has two Bigfoot creatures mm. that most people don't know about because when you think of Mexico, a lot of people think about, you know, Clint Eastwood movies and dusty little towns and things like that. But Mexico has pine forests that go on forever. They also have three glaciers on the tops of three mountains where the people who are who are the park rangers are trained in alpine rescue. They've been trained in Switzerland to deal with rescues on glaciers. And in the high mountains, there have been photographs, videos of these large creatures. And that, that creature, which approximates the North American Bigfoot, is called the Quatlacas. And he has a skinnier... A uh, more shy cousin who lives in the jungles of Central America and the Yucatan and some other states like Chiapas, uh, who's more reclusive and it's called the Sisimite. So we don't often think about Bigfoot when we think about Mexico, but there are two creatures who live there, and one of them is huge and, uh, you know, up to seven feet tall. And maybe that's what you were talking about, that footage on the mountain. Yeah, give us more uh, a description of the uh, the Mexican Bigfoots. That's, that's interesting, because once again, you know, those are stories that really don't make it up to, uh, uh, to us. I mean, you, you've got all kinds of uh, Bigfoot hunting reality shows, but uh, very yeah. rarely do you hear of anything about, like, uh, you know, uh, similar cases in Mexico. Well, this one Bigfoot creature that is huge and angry, it's called the Quatlacas, and it's found in mostly the state of Puebla. And only people have been going into these forests as recently as the 1860s. Before that, the, these areas, these valleys and mountains are so remote that um, they had no human intrusion until the 19th century. So there have been sightings only within the past 200 years of this big, hairy, quatlacus creature. And there have been videos taken in the past 10 or 20 years of this creature climbing up one of the, gr the glaciers, I believe, on Mount Iztaccíhuatl, which is near Mexico City. But the traditional areas of this creature are mostly in the state of Puebla in these remote areas and um, have only been really coming out in the past 60 years. Now, the other creature called the Sisamite, that has records going back to the Maya times, mm. you know, 1,500 years ago. The Maya talk about the Sisamite just as they would a deer or a jaguar. It was a forest creature. 
that had a spirit connected to it, a very shy primate about the size of a regular human and skinny and covered in hair. So like a skinny version of a Bigfoot. But that creature has been talked about for a long time. We have something here that will be a short time. And we'll do it now with Robert, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S.com. Hi, this is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and best-selling author on safety and preparedness. The fact is, things are getting downright scary for everyone who's storing their wealth in the banks. We just saw the collapse of three major banks, and I would urge you to consider protecting your wealth ASAP. If even a tiny percentage of Americans attempt to withdraw their savings, we would see a collapse of the entire banking system, sending us into a modern-day Great Depression. Fortunately, there is a way for you to avoid this. It starts with contacting Advantage Gold. If you have an IRA or 401k, Advantage Gold can help convert those paper assets into physical gold and silver. This is the process that I recommend everybody use as a hedge against rapid inflation and to protect your retirement wealth from the banks. Take control of your financial safety today. Call 800-900-8000 to get your free gold investment kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is the perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. 
I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers. There's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So many legends. How do you trace it down? How do you find the evidence that's true? Robert. When we get to things like skeleton remains, that would prove it 100%, right? Well, just like Bigfoot in North America, Canada, and the U.S., where are the bones? I mean, that is always a downer, you know, for researchers. So it's the same thing with the Quatlacus and the Sisamite. There's scant evidence of bones. There's fur, there's scat, there's eyewitness accounts, but the the bones are missing. Or could they be those giant bones that were discovered? Could they be Quatlacus, Mexican Bigfoot bones? We don't know. We don't have them in front of us to look at. Obviously, also DNA samples. That's also missing in action when it comes to Bigfoot. Right. And then that leads people to believe that, as you know, there are different camps with Bigfoot. Is it really a terrestrial animal? Is it extraterrestrial? Is it interdimensional? Can he disappear and phase in and phase out at will? You know, there are all of these different camps. And what I've noticed, at least on the American side of the border, they don't get along very well. These people who believe in these different things about Bigfoot. But the same thing could be true for this Quatlacus. Is it a real physical animal? Is it something that goes in between dimensions? We don't really know. It's relatively new. The Sisamite, the skinny jungle version of Bigfoot, like I said, that's been talked about for thousands of years. But the Quatlacus encounters as people move into these remote areas, these remote forests, they do illegal logging and and so on, there are more encounters with this supposed creature. So I think in the next few decades, we're going to, we might get some answers. Do you know, um, concerning these these creatures, uh, what the locals think they are? Do they think that they're physical creatures or you know like supernatural creatures well for the quatlacus they think that 
you're, so for the bigger, hairier, you know, more like the North American Bigfoot, for that creature, if people believe in it, they think it's a beast of the forest. So a physical animal, blood and bone and fur animal. For the Sisamite, there are people that look at it more as a magical being. It has powers. It's very shy. It's kind of afraid of humans, and it keeps its distance. But it is it does have some magical qualities to it. So, um, yeah, that's what that's what they believe for the skinnier Bigfoot. The the bigger Bigfoot, the Quatlacas from the mountains and forests of central Mexico, those who do believe in it think that it's an, a real animal, a cryptid. Well, that once again, I mean, that's that that makes me kind of uh, uh, swerve back around again to some of these um, possible supernatural types of beings like the, uh, uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it correctly, the, what is it, the Alux and the uh, Shanike? The Alush yeah, and the Chaneke. Chaneke, yeah. right. And some of these other uh, types of, of, of things from the woods. <laughs> but I, I remember, and gosh, once again, I'm, I'm not sure if it was if the video was taken in Mexico or not, but it was what? It was about 10 years ago when a, a, a group of kids videotaped, uh, they called it a dwarf, like this little bean that came out of the bushes and it was wearing like a, a conical hat and uh, come moving with like a sideways motion across the road in front of them. But uh, you hear a lot of stories along those lines. Uh, one more recent of a, uh, a kids playing um, uh, a soccer and all of a sudden something came out of the field and approached them and caused them all to run away screaming. Of course, the... Uh, the video, I mean, this was taken in the dusk, uh, so it's it's hard to see, except that it was some kind of small thing that the kids didn't want to be involved with. Yeah, you know, you have stories like that throughout Mexico. It's really amazing to me. And there are parts of southeastern Mexico, bordering Guatemala and Belize, where you where the Alush is dressed in an outfit like with the conical hat and in belize across the border they call him papa duende or tata duende and that comes that's a mixture of spanish you know duende or they call it sometimes duende with an i at the end and that literally means l for dwarf in spanish and he's described as having a, a top hat like a little Santa hat, and he walks backwards, his feet are backwards. Mm. And sometimes you hear that about the Alush, too, and the Sisamite. Sisamite has been described as having feet that go backwards also. So, And it's funny because the Alush and the Sisamite and Tata Duende, they all are in the same area. So the backwards feet, I think that's kind of interesting that these three creatures have that. And they're all from the same area. You know, what's interesting about that is that in Asia, some stories about the Yeti and the Alma, which are their equivalent of, of Bigfoot, mm -hmm. has it that their feet are backwards. 
And uh, supposedly it's so they can't be tracked. (laughs) Or it helps them get down the mountains for some reason. But yeah, that was supposed to be a defining characteristic of these things was the backwards feet. So here we have, I mean, you know, two completely different regions, but with same physical characteristics. Yeah. Interesting. It is. It really is. I'll bring up the um, the belief in Mexico of witches, and I'm bringing this up because of the famous story of the policeman who had the encounter with what he called a witch that uh, flew at his windshield, and then the uh, uh, video of something odd that uh, people were calling a witch that was uh, flying through. Uh, the hillsides, and I'm sure you're familiar with both of those cases. Yeah, those were happening in northern Mexico. There was one called the Guadalupe Witch, and then the other one where the witch supposedly attacked the squad car of the cop. That has also been called the Man Bat of northern Mexico, and I did a show on that. There Mm -hmm. were sightings it was kind of like a mothman creature, but they were also calling that a witch. So, yeah, witches, that, the whole phenomenon of witches goes back thousands of years also. There are different um, types of witches. There's the vampire witch. It's called the Tlawilpuchi. Try to say that ten times fast. Tlawilpuchi that sucks the blood of infants. And then there's, of course, the La Llorona story about the woman who drowned her children, and now she goes looking for earthly children to snatch. And then there are other shape-shifting witches, too, throughout throughout Mexico, including the gigantic owl called La Lechusa. And that's supposedly a gigantic owl that transforms from a witch into an owl, and then if you kill it, it turns back into a, a woman, you know, a, a female, a witch. So there's a lot. I mean, geez, do we have three hours on this show? <laughs> Just talk and talk and talk. Well, we don't have three hours in this show, but we have, of course, this episode, which is about two-thirds filled. But we also have the After the Paracast podcast, so we can go on. Now, as our listeners know, I knew modern-day witches years ago. And they were paganists. They seemed like environmentally conscious people. I know there was a character in New York, Dr. Leo Lewis Martello. Don't know if Tim knows him. I think Tim Beckley was acquainted with him. So, yeah, we know about the modern witches, not so much about the legends of witches long, long ago. Lots to talk about. Unexplained Mexico with Robert, Gene, and Tim. You're in <laughs> the Pettycast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guide with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I asked the mysterious conversations from Tim Swartz. You're not a witch, are you, Tim? <laughs> no, no. Well, no, no. <laughs> you follow what I was saying, Robert, though, about modern-day witchcraft... Yeah, well, there are women in Mexico who practice curanderisma, which is folk medicine and spells and and things like that to heal people. And there are modern-day witches who are considering themselves black witches and white witches. And in fact, I did a show about two towns in northern Mexico who are vying for the title of the witchiest towns in Mexico. There's always something. It's it's really interesting about Mexico. There's a, there's something that will happen or some paranormal thing that goes on, and then people get together and they say, how can we make money on this? <laughs> how can we draw people in and, you know, tell the world and bring people in and bring money and people to our town. It's really interesting. So yeah, there's a rivalry between these two towns in northern Mexico about which town is the witchiest <laughs> because there are practicing witches in these towns and they can do good magic and bad magic. I get the impression though that with a lot of these entities that that people have referred to as as witches that they're they're more of a like 
rather than being a human that practices witchcraft, it's more of a su- supernatural entity, almost like um, like a skinwalker here in exactly. the United States. Right. Now, that one of the witches I alluded to that had the long, complicated name, Tlawilpuchi, that only exists in the rural areas of a small state in Mexico called Tlaxcala. Now, in the 1950s, there was some government employee in the capital city that was looking at death certificates of babies. And for cause of death, on a lot of these death certificates, it said chupado por la bruja, which means sucked by a witch. So they were listing the cause of death as being, you know, their blood being sucked by a witch, and that's why their baby died. And so this this guy in Tlaxcala City told his superiors, look, on these death certificates, they're filling them out in these little tiny villages, and they're filling them out saying, you know, sucked by a witch. And so what is this? So they sent investigators, and that's when people you know, in modern times, became aware of this Tlawilpuchi. Now, Tlawilpuchi is someone who shapeshifts, a woman who shapeshifts into a creature. And what happens is, what they will do was, okay, they'll, they'll take off a leg or an arm, and I don't know why they do this, but this is common in a lot of stories. They'll take off a body part and then transform into something, an animal, even into a fly that could go through the keyhole or a crack in a window so they can get access to the baby's room and then transform themselves back into human form again or the form of another creature so they can suck the blood out of the baby and then change back again, let's say back into a fly, fly out the keyhole, fly home, and then go by their body part that they've taken off and turn into human, put the body part back, and then they're good to go as a normal member of society. But that case of the Tlawilpuchi, that's an ancient, ancient, ancient story that only uh, saw the light of day of modern times because of some government worker in... um, you know, reviewing death certificates. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I love the similarities between these stories, you know, that we've been talking about today in Mexico, and then you can find almost practically the the same kind of stories all around the world. I mean, the, the names of the beings involved may be different, but their the way that they act and you know their their modus operandi uh, uh, tends to be the same as well. And you 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 telling that story reminds me of a lot of the supernatural entities from say like Thailand and Malaysia that uh, involve. Creatures usually, you know, looking like women who can like pull their heads off and fly around with their organs dangling underneath in search of newborn babies to suck their bloods. So it's fascinating how these old tales have managed to spread themselves all over the planet. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. And I wonder if some of it is a coping mechanism for infant death. You know, let's say you have a crib death. What, how are you going to explain it? You know, well, it's got to be the, the witch came and visited the baby at night. So maybe so therefore you can't consider the possibility of a natural death, which happens, unfortunately, too often. It has to have some outside force. Right. And maybe that gives comfort to people. I don't know. Well, it's like the uh, the changeling stories from uh, 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 Great Britain and, and uh, places around there of uh you know the uh the elves and fairies would uh, sneak in and steal your baby and leave one that was either very old or sick in its place and so people that gave them an, an excuse basically well my baby is sick and dying it's not my baby it's a changeling speaking of changelings of course one obvious type of changeling is the werewolf. And you have an article about that, Robert. Tell us more. Well, there was there were sightings of a traditional werewolf in a town called Koita, and that was happening in early 2020. And people were seeing traditional werewolves, which do not exist in Mexican folklore. There is something similar to a werewolf called a Nawal, which is more of a shapeshifter, and that goes back thousands and thousands of years. No one knows. Nawals have been in, in art in Mex ancient Mexico for well over 2,000 to 3,000 years. But um, in this, this modern werewolf story happened right around the beginning of the pandemic. And some people, some psychologists were saying that this whole town was exhibiting some sort of mass hysteria because of the uncertainty around the pandemic. But there was some physical evidence, if you want to call it that, tracks and um, roof tiles that were disrupted when, you know, after people saw the creature jump on the roof and things like that. But um, yeah, the whole, the whole town was in a sort a different sort of lockdown because they were afraid to leave their homes because of seeing this creature. Well, was it a form of mass psychosis? Who knows? Some people, like I said, think that it was connected to the pandemic and all the uncertainty, but was it a real creature? Was it a Nawal? People claim, though, that it was your typical European classic werewolf. So, yeah, that was a very interesting uh, show to research, for sure. Yes, I wonder about our fascination with werewolves. In fact, I'm going to quote the lyrics from a song, just a few of them, so they don't capture us with copyright infringement. Something really, really fun about werewolves not too many years ago. Robert Bitho, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. No howling, please. You're in the Paracons. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores, building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327. Or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your air. Airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this... Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now when we think of werewolves, of course, we think of Lon Chaney Jr. in The Wolfman, 1941. And then there's this lyric of a song, speaking of that. Well, I saw Lon Chaney walking with the Queen, doing the werewolves of London. I saw Lon Chaney Jr. walking with the Queen, doing the werewolves of London. I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's. His hair was perfect. I got to think that when Warren Zevon wrote this, he was doing it on the fly, putting that up together. It reads like that, that he was just kind of riffing. It sounds interesting. You never heard the tune Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon? It's like 40 years old, right? Early 80s or late 70s? I think I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, and it was 1978 from an okay. album called Excitable Boy. But this was, I understand, the only real hit he had. He wrote songs for other people. But this here, there's a video on YouTube where he does it. And you got to watch this. It's wild. Ooh, we'll have to look and it up. The, the group that backs him up is just fabulous. Werewolves of London. Oh, well, there's a movie, by the way, called The Werewolf of London back in the 30s, where this guy is bitten by a werewolf, played by the guy who played Charlie Chan in the movies. That's too far back and too obscure for anyone to care about. Werewolves. <laughs> what do you think? What's your take about people's thing they saw a werewolf? Well, you know, I think it's it goes back to something primordial in our in our own minds, in our collective unconscious, because humans don't have a lot of predators, but we Europeans specifically had to worry about wolves. That's something we don't think about now, but maybe it's something that's part of our DNA, so to speak. And so the whole idea of werewolves, you know, we don't see wolves anymore. So people turning into them, that's a pretty scary thing that is part of us somehow. I don't know. Our only real predator. So I don't know. But in Mexico, they have a, a creature called a Nawal. Now, Carlos Castaneda and other people in like New Age philosophy, they take that Nawal and they do something different with it. And they, you know, make it more esoteric that it's a part of your personality or something. But in ancient Mexico, and a lot of modern people still believe in this, a Nawal is a shapeshifter a sorcerer who turns into a snarling, half-feline, half-dog-like creature. So there's still that there going on. You know, people believe in that, and people are citing them all the time. And I think the earliest depiction of a Nawal goes back to the Olmecs, and it may be 3,000 years old that there is a carving of one or several carvings of them. But it's very entrenched in Mexican culture. When you talk about werewolves and shape-shifting, I think of the TV show True Blood. Do you remember that? True Blood. 
Was that in the eighties, like mid eighties? No, I don't know. Sorry, not a big TV guy. You're not a big TV guy. Well, sorry, that's okay. It was an HBO series. Okay, and it was on from 2008 to 2014. Oh, and I didn't even own a TV then. <laughs> sorry, I haven't I was, owned a TV since 2007. So yeah. Plus, you had to have HBO for it. You know, you couldn't just get a regular TV set and turn it on and watch True Blood. It had to be HBO, so you had to pay extra. Of course, HBO now is called Max. Max. And if you're going to call it Max, maybe call it Fred. Call it Sheldon. Why Max? Hey, my name is Mac. No, we don't want to do that. We definitely do not want to talk about Max. What we do want to talk about here, though, Robert, is Batman of the Maya. And I say this in advance of the release of the movie The Flash, where Flash tries to go back in time, and he meets two different versions of Batman, one played by Ben Affleck, the other played by Michael Keaton, the guy who said, I'm Batman, but I can't do it the way Michael Keaton can. So tell us about the Batman. Well, it's the Commissots, and for some reason... Well, I guess because a lot of Mexican-Americans in the United States are rediscovering their heritage, this is becoming more and more popular online, this bat creature. It's an old bat god from the Maya, and it's involved in the creation story of the world where the, the two hero twins who were at the very start of creation— they had to do battle with this god and his minions when they were in the underworld. Yeah, this bat god goes way back, but we don't know a whole lot about him. We know some about him in the Popol Vuh, which was written in colonial times, well after the Maya collapse. The classic Maya collapse happened around 900 AD. And so we see this bat god in art, and we see him uh, described in some texts, but we don't know a whole lot about him, although he's becoming very, very popular, like I said, among young Mexican-Americans who think it's cool. And there was even an, ex an art exhibition dedicated to this god that produced some interesting art. I have I have a lot of photographs of that on my website connected with this story. Yeah, bats were sacred from what we can tell. They lived in caves. Caves were sacred places, caves and cenotes. Cenotes are these big, gigantic sinkholes that are in the northern Yucatan that supplied most of the fresh water because there are no running you know, rivers or streams in this limestone landscape. So bats were considered to be somewhat sacred because they lived in these sacred spaces and they were part of the mythology. When I think of bats, though, I think of Batman, but just a trivial point. Batman was actually influenced by the shadow. Um, All right? Masked Avenger, who tries to solve crime. But nobody cares about that stuff. I see in your bio you call yourself a superhero, so it's important to you. Well, I am not a superhero. I just play one. Okay, good enough. Yeah. 
I just played one. But unfortunately, a lot of the superhero movies and shows have become so crazy and so ridiculous in the efforts to have greater and greater special effects. They've lost the story. If the best superhero show right now or movie is the TV series Superman and Lois, because it is so incredibly realistic that if Superman was a real person and he really married Lois Lane, he really had kids with her, how would he be in our current civilization? Some real realistic stuff there. Superman and Lois. We've got more to come with Robert. Tim and Gene, you're in <laughs> the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200 plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com. USA News Update. Over 37 million people traveling on America's highways this holiday weekend. That's up 6% from last Memorial Day. And AAA says it's partly because of cheaper gas. As of Friday, the national average for a gallon of regular was $3.57. The House voting Wednesday on a deal to raise the debt ceiling. Republicans in the White House have reached an agreement to raise the federal debt ceiling so the U.S. could avoid default. Three people are dead. At least five are injured following a shooting at a New Mexico biker rally. Shots reported last night outside a saloon in Red River, which is about 60 miles south of the Colorado state line. Texas lawmakers have impeached Attorney General Ken Paxton. Paxton now suspended from office pending a Senate trial. Corey Myers, USA News. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. 
Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. That is not Tim Swartz doing his famous Gabby Hayes imitation. (laughs) Do you even know, Tim, who Gabby Hayes was? Well, of course I do. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I don't know who it is. Who is that? <laughs> he no is the ultimate know. sidekick mm-hmm. to Western stars of the 30s and 40s. A guy mm-hmm. named George Hayes, nicknamed Gabby, and I understand his way of speech was because he had false teeth, and he'd take them out before he did his role. Did he play like some stereotypical prospector types? I think I might be familiar with him. I don't George Gabby Hayes. He lived from 1885 to 1969, and he played in all these Western movies and TV shows, but actually, he was from New York. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Wasn't he in some of the, like, uh, Roy Roger movies? I'm going to look that up, but he, there's a picture of him if you go to his Wikipedia, and he appeared with a lot of them. He appeared in movies with John Wayne, Randolph Scott, Wild Bill Elliott. I'm making a look here. He appeared with Gene Autry and Roy Rogers. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So it's a lot of the movies from the 30s and 40s through 50, 1950 or early 50s. Gabby Hayes. Mm. <laughs> oh, well. I don't know how we get into that. Let's get into more wacky, wild paranormal stuff and less of the pop culture here. Gigantic dogs of good and evil. I mean, since we're talking about giants, gigantic dogs of good and evil. Tell us more. Well, they're called cadejos. And then that word comes from cadena, which means chain, because these dogs often appear with like chain links around their necks. And this whole phenomenon goes from the tropical areas of Mexico down into Central America. I think there's even a beer in Honduras called Cadejos. And it's an interesting thing that happens. If you see a white dog, and they're gigantic dogs, like almost like the size of a horse. So if you see one of them that's white, then good things are going to happen to you. 
if you see one that's black, then bad things are going to happen to you. So pretty simple, straightforward legend. And they are often depicted fighting each other. So sometimes you may see them fighting each other. And they often appear after you've been drinking a lot. That's another thing. And that's supposed to, you know, especially the black ones appear when you've been drinking too much. And that's, you know, a cautionary tale not to go get drunk. It's a pretty basic legend. Right. But the assumption might be that because you're drinking too much, you're seeing things. Right. That too. Yes. (laughs) Although I wonder really how often people hallucinate when they're drunk. I thought of psychedelics and things like that. Right. Yeah. You know, you hear about that. You see that on, you know, TV and movies and stuff. But come to think of it, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody hallucinating under the influence of alcohol. I don't know. Let's go to the Aztec monsters. Well, there are quite a few. My second book was called Mexican Monsters. And like I said at the beginning, I have a coloring book that goes along with that because I thought, you know, it'd be neat to have illustrations for these creatures. So the Aztecs, they took over central Mexico in the 1300s. They were interlopers and they developed this massive empire and they had a lot of different um, mythological creatures that they believed in. One of the main ones, well, we'll just pick one, the Awisut. And the Awisut is Mexico's version of the Loch Ness Monster. It's a lake creature that supposedly lived in Lake Texcoco. Lake Texcoco now is pretty much all gone, gobbled up by the Mexico City metropolitan area. The Spanish started to drain the lake decades after the conquest. The Aztecs built their capital city on an island in the middle of the lake. And there were reports of this creature going back hundreds and hundreds of years, even before the Aztecs got there. And it's a, some people think that it's an extinct um, gigantic otter that is a holdover from the Ice Age. And when the, the lake was drained by the Spanish, the gigantic otter lost its territory and lost its habitat and then became extinct. But it would capsize ships, it would pull people under the water, and it was considered a magical, powerful being. And the uncle of Montezuma, the emperor who met the conquistadors, his uncle, uh, his name was Awisot. He took his name from this mythical creature that lived in the lake because it was a powerful creature, and that became his sort of spirit animal. And arguably, he was the strongest and most powerful Aztec leader there ever was. He expanded the empire um, far north, far south, doubled its land area was pretty ruthless so he kind of lived up to the name and there are there are a number of other monsters we can go into um gosh where could we 
go from here? There's well, you know what? Drop me another monster for this segment. And then in our next segment and possibly our premium show, we'll cover some more monsters. Lay another one on me, but not physically. <laughs> well, let's see. We talked about the Chineke. We talked about um, Nell Wallace. Um, let's see. What other monster could I talk? Ishpushteki. He was a giant. And he would sometimes show up to fiestas celebrations of you know normal people and he is he's depicted as this hideous kind of giant like not hideous kind of goofy giant with a club and he would come to the fiestas and people would say okay he's here what can we do to make him happy and they would let him join into dances and if you did make him angry, if you didn't appease him, he would thrash about and cause destruction to your village. So if he if he ever showed up, you had to do everything you could to make him happy and make him feel included, or else you would get destruction. But sometimes he would destroy things because he was a big klutz. He was a big lumbering creature. When he would dance, for example, he would twirl around and maybe step on people. But you couldn't really do anything about it. You had to appease this guy. And he would just appear and then disappear. So there is another monster for you. It almost sounds like the monster is phasing in from another dimension. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of these monster stories or these stories of creatures, they do just appear, and then they disappear. They phase in and phase out. So maybe there is something to Bigfoot being one of a creature like that, because we have a lot of stories in Mexico of creatures, of beings that are like that, where they phase in and phase out. They'll disappear. Definitely want to get into that, because a common theory about creatures like Bigfoot is, oh, well, it's a missing link, or... It's a subspecies that's dying off. We'll get more monsters. I don't want to say, say it that way. More monster stuff with Robert, Gene, and Tim. I will never do that imitation again for the rest of my life. You're in the Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about 
Paracast Plus. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100, shopsupertea.com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. This is me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. We don't want to do that, do we? Anyway, more monster stuff with Robert, Gene, and Tim. Robert, give me another monster story. Okay, let's see. You know what we haven't talked about is the chupacabras. And maybe that's uh, yes, been talked kind about. of an ultimate monster. You know, that's a modern monster. It only popped up in the mid-90s. It originally was from Puerto Rico. And some people think that it's always been there, but now because it became more talked about in the 1990s, that it gave permission for people to talk about it. 
the reports from Puerto Rico came out, like I said, in the mid-90s. And then this talk show sensation, the Oprah Winfrey of Latin America named Christina, who was broadcasting out of Miami. She was Cuban-American. Her show is carried in all the Latin American countries. She's very popular. I'm not sure she's still broadcasting now. She may have retired in the past few years. But when she brought that up, then everyone throughout Latin America listening to her then became um, educated on this creature. And then it seemed like people in Mexico started to see this creature and talk about him. And like I said, I don't know if that means that the show, the talk show, talking about it gave people permission now to discuss this. Or if this is some sort of tulpa effect, some sort of mass psychosis, where people were creating thought forms, who knows? But this whole chupacabra phenomenon has died out. It's almost non-existent now in Mexico. It came out of nowhere, and then now it's gone. Now, it's interesting here. Do you think it was just some kind of hype that finally outlives its usefulness? People will hear something and then get it in their minds that it exists or whatever, and then mistake other things for whatever they're thinking about. That could be part of it, too. They could have seen a large coyote or whatever, and then say, oh, that's it. That's, there it is. Who knows? We don't know if, you know, if you believe in thought forms, your thoughts creating an actual physical thing or the image of something that other people can see could be something along those lines. Who knows? Well, you talk earlier about Carl Jung's collective unconscious. There's an active theory that we all create as part of our culture, UFOs and other strange phenomena. Mm -hmm. Right. And the more you talk about it, the more these things are created. That goes back to, I had mentioned the word tulpa in its Tibetan. You can just sit and if you concentrate long enough over a long period of time, you can actually manifest this thought form. And Philip K. Dick the science fiction author was, he lived here in Southern California, and he had one of those all-access passes to Disneyland. We can buy those here where we can go every day to Disneyland. That costs going, what, about 50 grand now to do that? I don't I have no idea. But he was going to Disneyland, and he was sitting at a cafe, and people asked him, why are you sitting there every day, you know, in this kind of like trance-like state? And then he said he was trying to create a tulpa. And then someone joked and said, what tulpa are you creating, Mickey Mouse? And he goes, no, Walt. I don't know if he was successful. I think he passed away shortly after that. So I don't think he got to see Walt. No, he was busy writing the story that became Total Recall. Right. <laughs> Let's look at right. more monster stuff here. Okay, well, here's another ancient one for you. It's called the Tlanchana. It was interesting because I was on, I learned about this on buying trips when I went down there in the early days of my business. I would go to towns where they would make nativity sets, and there was always a mermaid with a guitar in the nativity set. And I was 
what is this? Why are you putting a mermaid with a guitar in a nativity set right next to, you know, the baby Jesus in a manger? And people said, oh, that's the Tlanchana. Like, what is that? So the Tlanchana is an ancient snake woman deity or, I don't know, spirit who lives in bodies of water, mostly lakes, but also can be in rivers in southern and central Mexico. And I believe the the name Tlanchana is from the Nahuatl language. But she was originally a snake woman. And when mermaid mythology came with the Spanish, she kind of morphed into a mermaid. But the original Tlanchana lures men into the water and then kills them. So, like a siren, you know, tempting them. Well, of course, at the end of the movie Splash with Tom Hanks, that's where he, in order to save himself and his girlfriend, he has to basically go into the water and pray that he's not going to drown. With Daryl Hannah, of course, as the mermaid. I was thinking, though, a mermaid with a guitar, is that something where we get a new musical genre called mermaid rock? We've heard of crocodile rock, so why not mermaid rock? Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. In modern times, she's always with a guitar. There's even a fountain in the middle of one of the towns that I've been to for buying trips. I can't remember the town, but there's a fountain in the center of the town where it's a mermaid with a guitar, and that's the Tlanchana. Yeah, she sings her song, lures men into the water. It's very similar to the modern, you know, Western European mermaid story. But like I said, originally she was a, a snake, a wa- half water snake and half woman. But still the temptation was there. Well, so, there's also yeah. the Pied Piper element where people mm-hmm. are lured into the water to drown. Mm-hmm. Or the sirens from Greek mythology. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. And why is that? What is that? What does that all mean? I mean, I don't get it, but it's interesting that there's so many similarities. Certainly, we can go on forever, and we will with the After the Paracast podcast, exploring this and maybe the reasoning behind the legends. Okay, Robert Bitto, tell our listeners if they want to know more about the things you do about the unexplained paranormal phenomena in Mexico, where can they check you out? The best place to start would be MexicoUnexplained.com. And you can also go to YouTube of the same name, Mexico Unexplained. And I'm on all the social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you know, all of that stuff, Facebook. So there are a lot of ways to connect with me. And I love, love, love connecting with the listeners and the readers because there's always more information that I can get from people. And some of my best material comes from the audience. You can find us on Twitter while there is a Twitter, and that's a pretty crazy place these days. And if Elon Musk doesn't throw us off, check out the Paracast. Check us out on Facebook. Go to the Paracast fan club or the Paracast group or whatever it is called. They will not let us put the URL, theparacast.com there. 
nor I understand will Tim Swartz be able to put conspiracyjournal.com on there, right? Nope. Can't put it on. <sighs> Weird people. I think they want to be paid for ads or something. There may be something like that that we have to explore. In the meantime, we also offer branded merchandise with official Paracast logos at the Paracast.shop and the Paracast.store. Same place, different address, whichever you like, the Paracast.shop, the Paracast.store. And don't forget the Paracast.plus, where you get this show without the network ads, better audio, plus the exclusive after the Paracast podcast, where guests sometimes continue, as Robert Bitto will be doing in this weekend's edition. You can check it out at the Paracast.plus and get this. Use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, and you can get the five-year or lifetime subscriptions 20% off the Paracast.plus. Robert Bitto, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thanks for having me. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>